Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. We're live. Welcome to a brand new edition of On to the Next One. We are coming out of just the weirdest, wackiest ending to the calendar year for the UFC with UFC 282. I don't even know what to say, AK, because, and let me just introduce you real quick. I'm Mike Hick. That is my best friend, Alexander K. Lee. And I'd love to just continue with the pleasantries and just give you this rousing introduction. But there's just such a strange taste in my mouth coming out of UFC 282, AK, because this card started off frantically. 10 fights, 10 finishes. We had some great storylines. We're building towards something really cool. And then we handed it over to the judges for the two most important fights on the card. And boy, did they fumble the bag, as the kids like to say, okay? How are we feeling on this Sunday from a match following just a weird, wacky, and strange ending and conclusion to UFC 282? Yeah, uh, weird is the word we kept using before going into the event without the way it, you know it got, kept getting altered like a lot it had a lot of uh modifications outside of the main event of course we lost yuri and uh, the beautiful a weird fight in itself already considering how the first fight went the beautiful yuri glover rematch like we were this close to possibly having the number one and number two spots in the fight of the year uh, uh awards both go to the same two fighters but we lost that opportunity. How amazing would that have been? We lost Robbie Lawler from the card. Bo Nickel was supposed to make his debut. What a nice way uh, that would have been for the UFC to end uh, end this calendar year. Uh, what else did we lose? Oh, Ovin St. Fru had three different opponents and then just ended up not getting to fight in the card at all. It was a weird one. It was a weird one going in, my best friend, I'll tell you. It was, and, then, and then the night itself was weird. Even though people were having a good time, there was finishes. You could see in the air that chaos was, was lingering. Uh, maybe not like full outcast, but it was there. Our very first fight in a legal knee, which probably, which was sorry, Cameron Simon, uh, probably should have ended the fight in a disqualification. I don't think that 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 uh, the that Stephen Coslow was the same after taking that knee. Um, we had some. We had some, the commentary was. I don't even want to make fun of the commentary because there was some so much like some swings in these fights that like normally we say, oh, the commentary was so off. Like Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, what are they talking about? And this is probably this is probably right up there with like classic Rogan, where he's like, "Oh, this person's not going to submit," and then they submit, or this person's about to get out of a hole. Uh, uh, this person's in trouble, and then they completely get out of a hold, or this guy's winning a fight, and then they lose like two minutes after. But that's just kind of the night it was. That's commentating on live action. I, I can't even blame Rogan for that. 
Chris Curtis, because Chris Curtis didn't look like he was doing super great against Joaquin Buckley. Just crack cracks him. Edmund Chabazian got a win for the first time in, in a few years. Uh, it was just a lot of weird stuff. It was a lot of weird stuff. And that's, I haven't even gotten to the main card yet. We'll talk about more about the main card soon. But it was, I think the, the, the gymnastics score I came up with before, the 8.5, 8.6 range, was actually perfect. Because I think it was a, a good card and a memorable card, but not like an all-time. I saw people saying like card of the year just because there's so many finishes. And I want to remind people like finishes while exciting, do not necessarily mean it was a card of great fights because it was exciting, but it wasn't like, I don't think it was the best card of the year, but it was super fun. I, I'm not crapping on this card at all. Super fun, probably more fun than it had uh, any business being. And as you said, uh, unfortunately did not nail the landing. I would agree. I think the Wi-Fi connection is a little bit better here. I am uh, in the hotel lobby, so it's probably a little bit crazy. I just got no choice. This is where we have to do this show, and we appreciate you joining us. I'm a little... I'm a little tired, perhaps a little grumpy following last night and, and the way everything concluded, but we are here with all of you to do some matchmaking. So basically what we're going to do as far as you guys in the comments section and all of that is we'll just throw out sort of like your general thoughts on things. If you have matchmaking suggestions for specific fights that we are going to discuss, chuck them out there. I'll throw them up on the screen. And then in the last five to 10 minutes, we'll just do like a rapid fire pull up your matchmaking suggestions, throw them on the screen. We'll react to them in real time. And that's how we'll do the show. So let's get into this thing, AK. Let's start with the main event because people kept asking me in the build to this new main event between Jan Blachowicz and Magomed Ankalaev. Why do you preface everything by saying, at the end of the night, we are expected to have a new light heavyweight champion? Well, this is why, because the chaos clause has been invoked for the UFC all year long. And in the end, Magomed Ankalaev, Jan Blachowicz battled out for 25 minutes, and we still don't have a champion of the world after Yuri Prohashka vacates. So were you shocked with the draw? Do you think the draw is like a valid scorecard? And how do we match make for these guys after this? Uh, first off, I meant to uh, shout out my my Croatian brothers at the top of the show. Uh, Croatia in the in the semifinals of the World Cup. Uh, I have I actually have no particular loyalties to to any team, but uh, I have various gear from around the world for whatever reason. So Croatia is one of them. Uh, again, you may see me. You may I never get to wear this thing. You may see me at a, in a Morocco shirt uh, sometime, depending how that semifinal turns out. So uh, shout us shout us to Croatia and soon to be former Celtic FC uh, back. Uh, Joseph Dronovich. Go get paid, son. Go get paid. He's done his, he's done his work for Celtic FC. Um, the main event score, completely valid. Completely valid. I think um, there, I think round one, I think it's because by the end, Ankalaev was so dominant, so clearly winning the fight. There was a lot of people kind of raising their eyebrows like, whoa, how could that be a draw? But round one uh, was, was, was a close one. I know some people scored for Ankalaev in real time. All three judges gave it to Blakovich. Uh, they also all gave round two to Blachowicz, and I think it wasn't until round three that one of the judges gave Ankalaev a card. So heading into the championship rounds, it was 30-27, 30-27, 29-28 for Blachowicz. If this had been a three-round fight as originally scheduled, Blachowicz would have won. Ankalaev probably would have fought differently. I mean, he did say after, like, his and we saw his coaches kind of saying, like, what are you doing? Just, you know, go to your strength. And they probably would have said that a lot sooner in a three-round fight. So when I say Blachowicz would have won a um, a three-round fight, it, it I would have played out differently. It's you know I, maybe he would have won, you know, but uh, I don't think Ankalaev would have fought the same way. Would have been a little more urgency um, in round two. Uh, so yeah, but the score is completely valid. 
it, it ten eight. I mean, you, you, I think you got to give a ten eight in the fifth. Uh, I don't know if that would have made a difference, Mike. What was the um? We had what forty seven forty seven. Jan would have won if they Jan didn't score. If one, if that judge, I think if that judge who scored the draw didn't score the fifth round to ten eight, Jan Blachowicz wins. Okay. I split I'm, so, I'm just sorry. If Mike Bell scores a 10 8, it's still a draw, I think. I think it's then 40. Yes, then it's just 47 47, 47 40. It's a, it'll be a majority draw. It would, have, it would have gone from a split draw to majority draw. Uh, and Goliath would have had the only winning scorecard, but we, just, we still would have had 47 47 from Sal Diamato and 47 47 from Mike Bell. So even, with, even if all three judges give a 10 8, uh, which Mike Bell didn't, Mike Bell did 10 9 for Jan. Still a draw. It's unfortunately, it really was about the earlier rounds. Uh, Ankalaev really needed to win one of those earlier rounds to, to seal the deal. So I'm not sure if he'll feel differently after he takes a look at the scorecards. I doubt it. He probably thinks he won like four of the five rounds. Definitely, again, won the last two, dominated the last round. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, based on the way fights are scored, it's it, it's it, it was a draw. Pride rules, clear win for Ankalaev. I think Ankalaev, I think coming out of this, a lot of us feel like Ankalaev is the better fighter. That's not how judging works, unfortunately. So uh, I have no problem with that, with the math that was done on Saturday. I didn't, <clears throat> I mean, I get it. Like if you want to give a 10, eight in the fifth, that's fine. But I didn't even give DDP a 10, eight in the first round against Aaron Till because mm -hmm. Till like had those moments at the end and like got some offense going and made it happen. Like, and even one of the judges didn't even give that a 10, eight round for triggers two plus C. And that was much more of a compelling argument for a 10, eight round. There are people saying, that could have been a 10-7 round for DDP. And Ankalaev just took him down and held him there and landed like 13 strikes. That's basically what the round was. He just held mm -hmm. him there and landed 12 or 13 strikes. So I didn't score it a 10-8. Um, I still thought the swing round was the third for me because I thought Young clearly won the first two. Four and five were definitely Ankalaev rounds. And then the third round was kind of the swing round because watching it live, I scored it for Ankalaev. I thought... Jan had moments. I thought the leg kicks were great, but I think Ankalaev was starting to turn the tide a little bit. He was landing with some vigor. He was pushing forward a little bit more, getting a little more aggressive. So I did score that round for Ankalaev, but I got to go back and watch it because, like I said, two of those judges did two of the. Was it all three judges who gave Blahovich the first three rounds, or just two of them? Uh, just two of them. Okay, uh, Derek okay. Cleary went to, uh, 10 9, Ankalaev in the third round. All right. So Ankalaev, Jan Blahovich. A lot of people were like, well, they're just going to run this one back for the title and just do this again, and one of these guys will be champion. Dana White was like, nope, hold my beer, bro. <laughs> yep. It's like he was watching the UFC 282 watch party because New York Rick and I are discussing what they should do, and he's like, well, Glover should just fight in Brazil, but just give him somebody because you obviously can't do Jan and you can't do Magomed because he's all banged up from the leg kicks. And I'm like, well, you could just pull Jamal Hill from the March 11th fight and do that. Like, that would make sense. And – 30 minutes later, Dana White sits down at the press conference and he does exactly that. Jamal Hill is fighting Glover Teixeira to crown a new champion January 21st in Rio. Stunned by this. I didn't think they would actually do this. I'm Well, I guess stunned is probably not the word, but I'm surprised that they actually just went to that route right, right away, especially for a guy in a company who doesn't matchmake after the cards on Saturday. Dana White was quick to, quick to pull the trigger on the matchmaking here. So... That's that fight. That's where we're going with the title. But what do we do with these two guys? Do we just run this one back as like a three-round fight or like a fight night main event? Or do we send these guys on different roads here following an, an interesting main event? But 
all in all, not all that compelling in the end. And by the way, I mean, there's a reason that Dana White doesn't match make right after the card, right after cards. It's because, well, and I, we've kind of criticized him as a promoter, but for practical reasons, it's not like they can really get people to sign contracts. I mean, I, I think I assume it's obviously a pretty strong verbal agreement. I think Jamal Hill commented on it after already. He's he's all he's all in. You know, he wants it. Of course, it's the title fight. Why would he say no? I don't. Did we see? Um, did we get a comment from Glover yet? I think he. I don't know. I have to go back and like look I'm, at Aaron Brownsetter's Twitter. Twitter. Or something. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and I don't see why 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 Glover would wouldn't be into it either. But but it is funny to literally right after that just say that these two. It's not it's not like a case where like you know two fighters on the same card want to fight, and it's like you know two fighters in the same division on the same card clearly headed to a title fight. Like then I'd understand if Dana's like, oh yeah, this guy defended his belt. This guy's the clear number one contender. We're definitely going to book them next, which is something he even then he doesn't do that. So, uh, so for two guys who aren't even on the card, I mean one of them was supposed to be, but for two guys who weren't on the card to just suddenly be booked into a title fight is pretty wild. So I don't know when contracts are going to be sent out. Probably this week, I, I would hope, given given uh, how quickly uh, how quickly Dana came up with this, because um, I, I can't imagine it's something that was in the works uh, until because Jamal Hill had a fight with Anthony Smith and. Uh, I can't imagine it was in the works until Dana like very openly just said like I hated that main event and I I need to fix this now I I need to I need to put a band aid on this light heavyweight division somehow I don't know if the Teixeira Hill fight does it but uh, I, Mike I'm all for running back uh, Ankalaev and Blakovich but not for uh, the title uh, that sorry guys that that ship has sailed for now um, as you said uh, as Dana White said it's it's Teixeira and Hill getting it but run it back five round fight night main events hopefully not in the apex if they're if they're you know if they're hitting the road uh this is the kind of fight that i know didn't thrill people but they they deserve to have a crowd they're big name fighters going from a pay-per-view main event to throwing the same fight into the apex would just be weird and cruel though again there's that weird word again maybe that happening would would kind of put a real bow on on this whole pre UFC 282 and everything that's happened after this whole you know timeline that we're in right now regarding this pay-per-view so um I'm I'm fine with them running it back but uh it's got to be five rounds again I think you have to recreate the circumstance as much as you can which which to me means it wouldn't be on a pay-per-view because I don't want a title I don't I don't want a title on the line it's got to be a fight night somewhere yeah I mean I guess the only other option I feel like Ankalaev lost the most here honestly I feel like Jan Blachowicz could slide into that Anthony Smith fight. Like if he's ready to come back in March, you could do that. And that would make sense. And I think the fans would react a little bit better to that. But what do you do with Magomed Ankalaev? I have no idea. But I think they will probably end up running this one back. But I think if, if the UFC had their druthers, they're going to try to convince Jan to fight Anthony Smith because it's a good main event. Um, it's solid. I, do, do they? And that's going to be – that's an on-the-road card, isn't it? Didn't they announce the March lineup? I think every single card is they have out of the apex, right? We've got we've got two pay per views. We've got uh, March is going to be a two pay per view night because and 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 a, a cool one because you know you've got one that's domestic in Las Vegas and then you've got one a couple of weeks later in in London. Two uh, March eleventh is in Vegas, but not at the apex. That's right. That's what right. About, what is this? Virgin yes, they, Ho- the theater at Virgin Hotels. What is it's this? like a four thousand seat arena. Okay, that's kind of cool. Which I like. Like, I sure. like this idea. I, I I like the smaller crowd sort of events. I dig uh-huh. that. As long as it's not in the freaking Apex, man. I'm and good with March that. 20, and then, March 25th, San Antonio. There you San go. San Antonio, Texas. Let's there do it. Go. 
There's your head. There's your fight night headliner. If both guys are healthy. If both guys want to run it back ASAP again on a card that's not at the apex, um, San Antonio. I'll call. I'll call my shot there. March 25th. Maybe I'm hearing that the UFC might be working on something a little bit different for that March 25th card. Ooh. So stay tuned for that. I don't know if, if that's actually going to happen at this point. I mean, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in a week. Never mind what's going to happen three plus months from now, but. We'll see, but I'm hearing that the UFC is trying to do something a little bit different for that March 25th card, so I can't tell you what it is because it ain't by done the, yet. By the way, I still see people in the comments complaining about the draw score, and they're like, oh, round five should have been a 10-8, and I'm, I just want to remind people, if it had been scored a 10-8, it still would have been a draw. It just would have been a majority draw instead of a split draw. I, let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure because the it first was, three, they, But two it, of the judges did score round five, 10-8. As two of them did, yeah, I think, and I think if all three scored, it wouldn't have made a difference, like I said. It would have just been no, no cards for Jan, but two cards would have been a draw. And and Mike, exactly. if, you, if they had all gone your way and said no 10-8s at all, if it was just 10-9s, then Jan would have won. Jan would have won on two of the three cards if uh, if the 10-8s had not been awarded. So, yeah, really just a screwy, screwy uh, fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you scored round five of 10-8, like, I ain't mad at you. I just... I just feel like there are better examples of a 10-8 than that. Like you could just you could just lay on top of a guy and hold him down there and land five shots against somebody who lands zero and you can call it a 10-8. Like I, I guess because you landed more and the other guy landed nothing. But I don't know. I thought I thought Jan won the first round. I thought the leg kicks were big. I thought Jan looked real good early. I thought Jan won the second round. Third round, I thought Ankalive won that one and then won three, four, and five. So I didn't think we were even going to talk a 10 8. I didn't think they were going to have any sort of a splitty city thing. Although after the Patty of the Batty decision, nothing was going to shock me. I, I even said, like, they're going to score 50 45 for Jan Blahovich. How about that? But that's where we're at right now. So support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 
Let's move on. I don't think anybody wants to talk about this fight anymore. We want to discuss the matchmaking for somebody else. The aforementioned oh, Patty the Batty Pimblets. Oh, him. Who yeah. gets a highly debated, strongly controversial, unanimous decision win over Jared Gordon in the co-main event. I mean, holy cow, dude. I can't believe this. I couldn't believe it. I went back and watched it again this morning. Mm-hmm. My mind does not change. I scored one and two for Gordon. Round three for Patty. If you want to score a third round for Jared Gordon, I ain't going to be mad at you. I just felt like Jared was more positional. It was just him fighting sort of not to lose. I do 100% agree with Dana White and Patty, too. I was kind of stunned by Jared's game plan, especially now going back and seeing like how compromised Patty's ankle was. And it was pretty clear how compromised his ankle was, which I may not have really picked out in real time because we had the watch party going on and so much was happening. But... Patty gets the win. Patty and maybe one media member on the planet are like the only ones who thought Patty won that fight, which is crazy. But at the end, as Patty Pimblet said yesterday, you could feel how you want about it, but there's a green mark next to my name on this fight. It's going down in the history of books as a victory. And now where do we go from here? Okay. Cause in my opinion, this was the best thing that could have happened to Patty Pimblet because he didn't lose. He still kind of gets to play this off in an emotional way where people are going to react to him even more so than they did heading in. And what's even better is the way most people thought Patty was going to win this fight, what would have been next was a top 15 guy who's probably going to absolutely melt him, and now he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to fight a top 15 guy now. He can just fight anybody because we, we learned what we needed to know about Patty, and he didn't lose. So all in all, this isn't a horrible thing for Patty Pimblett. It stinks for Jared Gordon, no doubt about it. But, man, where do we go with the baddie now? Because we're going to be talking about this one for a while. There's a lot of there's a few ways you could go. Uh, first of all, I put up a poll before the show even started. Who was the biggest winner of UFC 282, Mike? I got four options. I mean, you, there's a bunch of ways you could have gone with this. I had to leave off, like, uh, who else? I had to leave off Edmund Shabazz, you know, I think would have been a nice guy to include. Uh, I had to leave off, I mean, well, Jarzinho. Really, Edmund Edmund is the is the other guy I would have liked to include, but I went with Patty Pimblet, Drikas Duplessis, Ilya Toporia, and Ray Rosas Jr. And um, right now, Ilya Toporia leading with sixty six percent. Patty Pimblet at the bottom eight percent, probably because a lot of people are wondering why is he even in the poll? He did not win that fight. Uh, Mike, I've also re- I've also reviewed the fight. We were doing the watch party. If anyone wants to see our live reaction, you can check out the replay of the uh, watch party on MMA Fighting's YouTube. I, I was, Mike, I might have been influenced a lot by your reactions. I'll be honest. I I, remember, I recall, because uh, Jared, Jared Gordon did great in round one. Uh, I thought round two was close. And you yourself scored round three for Patty Pimblett. I did. And I don't, and I won't argue with that. I think I, I, this is, this is so people, there will be a formal robbery review coming on uh, by Monday morning. I'm still in the process of kind of working things out in my head. I've watched the fight. Like I said, I've rewatched the fight. Might have to watch it again, especially certain segments of it. But I will say, uh, and, and I, my first reaction was I tweeted right after, like, that was not a good decision. I just said it firmly. Uh, I'm a little bit shakier on it now, having seen the fight again. Again, I think round one, what bothers me, round one, I think, is a clear Gordon round. That's that's the one thing that's sticking out to me. I don't know how you score round one for Pimblet. He just didn't land anything that, like the striking numbers, whatever, again, stats, as we always say, are not a great way of judging a fight. And this is a perfect example. The striking numbers, I think Patty actually had one more significant strike. 
But I don't see how anyone can watch that first round and say that headshots that he was landing were more significant than Jared Gordon's. Like he had some good shots, but Jared Gordon was landing this left hand over and over again. He was really like landing clean. And Patty just has an amazing chin. Um, two of the judges gave round one to Pimblet. I really strongly disagree with that. Uh, all three gave round two to Pimblet, which again is not like horrible because I thought round two was close. Um, but I could see a lot of people scoring for Gordon too. I, I'd see a lot of 3027 comments in the YouTube, saw a lot of that on social media, of course. And, and again, I, I don't think that I don't think 3027 Gordon's a bad score either. So uh and, and I did like round three for Pimlet as well. It was just I think I really did not like Gordon's strategy there, just the, the wall install. It's in today's uh days, the, the way judging is understood now, that doesn't work. Um it, it can if you really, really make sure the other guy does nothing. But if you wall install for like four minutes and the other minute of the fight actually has action, actually has some back and forth uh, things going on, which it did at the end, let's not forget, Patty actually ended up in a superior position. That wall install does nothing. You don't get points for that wall install unless you absolutely, uh, did, like unless the other person absolutely did zero. Uh, and that wasn't the case in round three. I would tell people, watch it again. There, there was stuff to score in there. There was very, very little striking. And there was some effective grappling to score and you could call it even, or you could say Patty even had the advantage because he took the back at the end. Um, so all, all of that is to say that uh, robbery review pending, not as definitive as I thought at first. Uh, but again, I'm not, I, I don't want people to think that I'm leaning necessarily going to say it's not a robbery. Uh, I have to judge some other factors. It, 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 people are definitely calling this one of the robberies of the year. I'm not ready to go that far. Could be a robbery. Matchmaking, Mike. Uh, I'll just say Dan Hooker. Wow, really? Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. Like I, maybe because because Dan Hooker talked about about him a little bit this week. Uh, maybe because Dan Hooker. I know he's coming off a win, but I still feel like he's he's not like this. He's a great fighter. I, I think Dan Hooker's a great fighter, but I don't think he's like this elite world beater that Patty doesn't stand a chance against. Um, I think I think Dan Hooker should be favored. So it wouldn't surprise me if, like, with the Jared Gordon fight, one, Patty was favored and then actually got more favored as the fight came closer. I could see it, like, money comes. There's just so many people who, who like Patty. So the odds would, like, wouldn't end up being that bad by the end. Even if Hooker was favored, it would be, like, probably minus 150 at most by the time fight night rolled around. I like Patty's grappling. I think Patty's grappling can give him some problems. And like I said, he's tough. He can take a hit. And uh, I, listen, it might be fun for some people to see uh, Dan Hooker uh, – just whack them around for three rounds. So even if you're not a fan of Patty, there you go. There's your little treat. So I'm I'm into it. He's not ranked in our rankings. He is top 15 in the UFC's rankings, I believe. And it's I think I think it's a winnable fight and a good name for Patty. And if you're Dan Hooker, I mean, look, if you think he's been saying I could handle this guy easily, well, I'd love to see him prove it. I'm sure a lot of people watching this right now who are reacting the way that I see them reacting would love to see that fight. <laughs> they would love to see that fight. Cause I think Dan hooker, I think Dan hooker runs through Patty Pimblett with relative ease, if we're being honest. But like I said earlier, I actually think this is a pretty good thing for Patty because one of the fights that we've been kind of building towards was almost off the table in a lot of ways, but I actually think it works out now, no matter what happens January 21st, at UFC 283 in the fight with Ismail Bonfine. We do Patty Pimble, Terrence McKinney. That's the one. Now it's we time. can do it. Now we can do it. It's time, it's time, it's time. Yeah. Because if Patty went out okay. there and like, if Patty went out there and just smushed Jared Gordon and, and subbed him out of there, like a lot of people thought he would, he's fighting like Jalen Turner 
or Grant Dawson. He's fighting one of those guys and he's just going to get crushed. So this way you could do Patty Pimblett versus Terrence McKinney as like a fight night main event and it would work and it would sell. And you can make a case for either guy winning that fight. You can make a case for either guy winning. I think McKinney would win. I would pick him right now, but if this fight gets out of the first round and gets like deep into the second and Patty starts to get, get cooking, Patty could definitely beat Patty could definitely win, but I like that matchup. So, uh, I mean, Tristan, after watching what Jared, what, after watching what Jared Gordon did to him on the feet last night, you don't think Dan Hooker would do like 10 times worse? I, I, don't, though, but I don't, I don't think Jared dominated him though. That's the thing is he did in the yeah. first round. First but round, Dan clearly. Hooker, Dan Hooker's a much better striker. That's, that's fair. That's fair. But, but I don't think, I don't think Jared Gordon like dominated him though. And I think Jared Gordon's a better grappler than Dan Hooker is. I think he makes, I think he makes a little bit. Sports a little better. Yeah. Jared yeah, Gordon's the, the, also, Jared Gordon's. Also, kind of a featherweight, if we're being honest. Yes. Oh, oh, Patty was definitely bigger. Yeah, Patty like, was way bigger. bigger. Yeah, like oh, two weight classes bigger. Yes, honestly. Yeah. And Dan Hooker doesn't have to really deal with that, so it's a horrible stylistic matchup. And Dan Hooker ain't slowing down. He's tough. I don't as know hell. if it is because again, I th- I think Patty can take him down. I think Pat- I think Patty can take can take. He's not like an amazing wrestler. Like that's one of his problems. Is like he's a good grappler. He's he's one of those guys. Good grappler when he gets to the ground. Can can do can put in work, but not an amazing wrestler. He's not like a you know a D one takedown guy. Uh, that's why one of Patty's huge weaknesses. If he if he had that, then we'd be talking about him as you know a legitimate contender. He doesn't quite have that. He kind of just like punch, punch me in the face a bunch of times. I'm gonna get inside. I'm gonna trip you. I'm gonna take you down. I'm gonna make it ugly. Uh, and against Dan Hooker, I, I think I think that could work against Dan Hooker. But that's why I'm intrigued. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'd want to see it. I'm intrigued. I think. Um, sorry, grab some water. I think. Uh, it's. I, I agree. It's. It's not an ideal stylistic matchup. But I don't think it's an ideal stylistic matchup for either guy. So I, I'd be into it. I'd be into it. I just don't think it makes any sense when we have. I, I, listen, AK. I love you. And if they make the fight, I'm gonna watch it. And it's gonna be cool. And they'll build it up. And it'll. It'll feel important by the time it happens. But to me, there's other guys in the top 15 that deserve a Dan Hooker fight much more than Patty Pimblett does. And it would do more for those guys than Patty Pimblett. Listen, because if Patty, been, if Patty I, wins, what's he gonna do then? Listen, I've Here. been predicting Patty W's ever since he came to the UFC. I have not been wrong yet. Let's let's be real here. I've been predicting Patty W. I have not. He's four and He's four and I don't know. I don't know what people want to see. I uh, is he that good? I don't know. Uh, by the way, I just pinned a comment. Patty versus El Kukui. There's still there's still time. There's still time. It, no. It's doable. Oh, I see. I see another Patty versus Tony. No. Yes. No. Yes. Sorry, Cody dude. Fletcher. I see you, Cody Fletcher. I see you. Listen, people say people saying it's like Patty hate. This matchmaking is not Patty hate. This is Patty smart. This is Patty like this is what you do with him. You book him wins now. He's not fight. Patty's not fighting for a world title ever. It's not happening because he's gonna have to be like a top ten, like a legit top ten guy in this division, and he ain't doing it. But he could have a very successful career fighting tough dudes and just not fighting for belts. Kevin Holland never has to fight for a title again. Derek Lewis never has to fight for a title. There are plenty of fighters in the UFC who can make a fantastic living without going on title runs. And Patty Pimblett just happens to be another one. So however you feel about it, it's all good. Like this was a great night for Patty Pimblett because look at the reaction to all of this. Yep. The reaction to all of this is great for him. If you're Patty right now, you are loving life. You are loving life. If you watch the two fights, like, 
independently, not knowing which fight was the main event, you would have thought Patty Pimblett, like the reaction that it got compared to the main event, the way the fans were watching the main event, you would have thought Patty Pimblett was the main event, not not uh, Jan Blachowicz and uh, uh, Magomed Ankalaev. Well, that was the co-main event. Let's move on to the feature bout. We saw a fun one at 180 pound catchweight, Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Alex Barono. Again, my picks last night, I was feeling really good about a lot of them and things are trending in the right direction, including my Alex Morono by decision pick. But luckily those who watched the watch party, the chat bet came through Ponzinibbio by KO. I felt bad for GC because he had the over two and a half and the fight ended at 229 of round number three. So he missed, missed cashing that ticket by one second. So that was brutal to watch. And then the night just got worse and worse for GC as we continued on. But Good bounce back, good comeback win for Santiago Ponzinibbio. My pick, AK, is the winner of next weekend's matchup between Jake Matthews and Matthew Summelsberger. Oh, whoever wins that fight, you go. I, 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 th- I have to think Jake Matthews is going to win, and then we do Jake Matthews versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. But guess what? If Matthew Summelsberger goes in there and pulls off a, a nice upset, chuck him in there with Santiago. I'm cool with that. The winner of Matthew versus Matthews. Okay, I'm into that. Uh, I went with, well, I was trying to find a French welterweight for some sort of like World Cup finals angle. I'm sorry, guys. I'm I, just so people know. <laughs> listen, I've been a hardcore football fan for about, I, I, my you know me, you've known me for a few years now. I've been a hardcore fan for six months uh, and I am, <laughs> I am all in on football now. Let me tell you something. I picked the right year to get into football. We got a weird late World Cup. We got, I don't know. I went to Scotland, so I'm in love with the Scottish team. I'm wearing Croatia gear. I don't know what's happening anymore. So now I'm looking at everything in football, football, you know, through a football lens. Uh, and and Ponzinibbio is a huge football fan. He told uh, Bronstetter, he told our boy Bronstetter that, Mike, you remember we were doing, uh, oh no, you weren't there, but we were doing the uh, the live weigh-ins and we were like, wow, why is Ponzinibbio so late? And we were kind of, and then we were all, then we started speculating. He's probably watching the World Cup right now. And sure enough, he said, yeah, I was watching, I was watching the Brazil, uh, the Brazil Croatia game. So uh, I was trying to find like an angle. Okay, what if France makes it to the final, and then you know, then they play Argentina. Uh, but there, I don't know if there's ever been a French welterweight in the UFC. I was, I had my database. I kind of went through uh, Benoit Saint Denis, um, but that was one time. That was the Elizabeth Zaleski fight. He's really a lightweight. He's not going back to welterweight ever again, I don't think. And of course, uh, the immortal Orlando Veet, who we all know, who fought at UFC two, of course. Uh, but that was back in the medieval days. Um, I don't even know if he was a welterweight, and he's probably not fighting anymore. Uh, I don't know where Orlando is right now, but he's probably not fighting anymore. Uh, they also play Croatia in the semifinals. There are no Croatian welterweights in the UFC at the moment. So I had to abandon that whole angle. Um, thank you, everyone, for coming with me on that journey. And I landed on Kevin Holland. I landed on Kevin Holland. I think uh, it's, it'd be a good name for both guys. I have Ponzinibbio ranked slightly ahead of him. So rankings-wise, it's good for Kevin Holland. Uh, name value wise, I think Kevin's pretty clearly the more popular fighter at the moment. So both guys have a lot to gain. Cool stylistic matchup. I really want to see where Ponzinibbio is at this point in his career. Um, he's coming off two, two tough splits and was not looking great in the Murano fight. And Murano was really taking it to him. He's 36 years old. Um, I don't, and like, you know, I don't think it matters. I don't, I'm not saying like, oh, do we need to know if Santiago Ponzinibbio is a world title contender? That ship has probably sailed. But I want to know, is he still a ranked guy? Is he still a guy that should be getting top 15, top 10 opponents, you know, for the next few years of his career? Um, if he beats Kevin Holland, I'm, I'm ready to put him back in, not in the rankings, but against ranked opposition. Yeah, I I, I have no issue with that. Uh, I see one person throwing out 
Nasruddin Imavov, who, yes, would fit that mold, but he's a middleweight and he's already booked to headline the first card of 2023 against That's Kelvin Gaslin. Who so. did that? Let's name names. Who did that? Savas, Savas Kub. Doo-doo. Someone said I was being. Someone said I was being negative, and I don't want. I, I don't want to just. I don't want to be that guy. I, like I look, and I admit it. You are a patty hater. No, I'm. I'm the one who's saying that Patty. Patty was a winner. Patty was a big winner. Yeah. I don't think he won the fight, but all in all, this went as good as it possible. This is the best case scenario for Patty Pimblo. What happened last night? One thousand percent, in my opinion. So we move on to the middleweight division. Big win for Drickus Duplessis against the returning Darren Till. Fight was crazy, man. It looked like DDP was on his way to like a 10-7 first round. Darren Till got a little momentum at the end. Till had a great second round. And then the third round, DDP just found a third gear and got Darren Till out of there. Uh, If you want to get Darren Till's reaction to the loss, you can go to MMAfighting.com and check that out right now. Uh, I posted a video on his Instagram. Uh, Pretty interesting comment. Says he's not retired, but he probably needs to take a break. But big win for DDP. Matchmaking success here. There were a lot of matchmaking decisions that I didn't love on this card, but this one I really did. And I think DDP, I think they could push this guy and do something big with him. So what would you like to do and see for Mr. Drickus Duplessis? Whenever this man is back from injury, I'm assuming it's nothing serious because I, I haven't heard any news on it being something that could take him out for a while. Uh, Derek Brunson, I'm throwing, I'm throwing Drickus right into the fire. Give him a top five guy. Uh, he's top five in my rankings, my UFC rankings anyway. And um, I, I, again, I, I love Drickus. I think he's just such an exciting fighter. Uh, he he goes from looking like again he's going to ten eight someone to lo- looking like he's exhausted. Though as he said, he's like he's never actually exhausted. It's just kind of like his body language. So he's never worried about you know going out there and having a hot first round. He's going to leave it all out there, and he's going to have something left in the third. Uh, usually, even if it looks like he's he's dead tired, and, and he certainly did against Darren Till. But Till certainly didn't look like a spring chicken either. So I don't know how this strategy is going to work against some of the actual elite fighters of the 185-pound division, which Darren Till is not, um, despite the matchmaking that he's had over the years where he's fought nothing but killers. I, I hate to say it, Darren Till is just not a middleweight killer himself. I think I don't think this is a news flash to anyone. I think this is a kind of a duh comment for anyone who's watched his fights. He's competitive. I mean, he looked good at times against DDP. He looked good at times against Robert Whitaker. I know he can hang with these guys, but there's a difference between hanging with people and beating them. And he he said it himself in a statement today. Like, for whatever reason, he's just not been able to put it together um, in the cage. So uh, I'll, I'm actually going to hint a little, talk about Darren Till a little bit more later. But yeah, for du- Duplessis, I like Derek Brunson. Uh, Derek Brunson kind of has to go back to being that in that gatekeeper role, it sucks to say it, um, but it's a good role for him because he keeps catching checks and, and picking up W's against up and comers. So maybe he could do it against Duplessis too and keep himself in that title talk. Look, AK, you know, normally I'm, I'm I'm not really a nervous guy, but there's a lot of people in the lobby. So I would cue the music right now. But if you want to sing, I'll lip sync behind you. One, two, three. Friends forever. Well done, AK. That's good. That's good. It is Derek Brunson. That's the one. Uh, I don't know what he, what's going on with him. I know he was supposed to fight Jack Hermanson in Orlando. Insert Roman Delize, who got himself a big moment. I see a lot of people suggesting let's do DDP versus Roman Delize, and I'm down with that too. But um, I want to see Delize versus Marvin Vittori. I like that idea. And then let's give some let's give DDP and 
a big opportunity against a name as well. Let's move these divisions forward with these young, hungry whippersnappers and give them give them the opportunity to shine. Let's keep giving them names and let's move this division forward. Let's give Alex Pereira some interesting challenges if he's going to be a long-reigning middleweight champion. So uh, we're on the same page there. But one of the names, and, and I think most people that I've spoken with who are giant fans of the sport and even just sort of casual fans who watch the watch party or or actually tuned into the final card of the year, the one name that sticks out in everybody's mind besides Patty Pimblett is Ilya Taporia. Ilya Taporia blew the doors off of the T-Mobile arena, blew the doors off of Bryce Mitchell. We just never seen anybody do to Bryce Mitchell what Ilya Taporia did to Bryce Mitchell. This is an impressive performance. And the first combination that Ilya landed like 10 seconds into the fight, you saw the expression on Bryce Mitchell's face. He was like, whoa, this is uh, this is different. And Taporia just looked great. Takedown defense for the most part was on point. Bryce Mitchell did have a little bit of control, but was able to do nothing with it. But Ilya Taporia just gets Bryce Mitchell out of there. What an incredible performance. And this guy's on everybody's map now. The question is, AK, there are lots of fun options for Ilya Taporia. You're typically a, uh, a pump the brakes kind of guy. Let's not go too crazy, but... Are we hitting the gas here, or wh- wh- where are we at here? I don't think we need to pump. I'm, I'm usually pump the brakes after if you know if it's only been a couple of fights, uh, or if they haven't beaten a ranked guy. This is uh, Taporia's. That was his five and zero in the UFC now. Uh, four fights at featherweight. He just come, came off a lightweight win over Jai Herbert. Thirteen and zero in his career. Clearly, I mean, just passes the eye test. Looks like a champion. Fights like a champion. Mixes the martial arts beautifully. Uh, as you said, dominated a legit ranked guy like Bryce Mitchell, and, unless you're counting that loss on the Ultimate Fighter, which apparently the OC does, uh, was undefeated. Um, and Jai Herbert made him look like he was not in his class. Like it was, uh, it's uh, so Jai Herbert, Elliot Dupre, excuse me, made Bryce Mitchell look like it, well, he wasn't in his class. It was, it was just a spectacular performance. Um, he looks like a future world title challenger and i might be underselling him some people would probably say he looks like a friggin future champion uh so no we don't need to slow roll love his call out we always sometimes mike we say we don't like people doing their jobs for us but he said give me t city in madrid city bring a ufc card to spain i love it please uh, dana white make this happen Ilya toporia versus brian ortega headlining uh ufc madrid which would be so sick i love that idea we're not cueing the music though it's triple a baby it's triple A. It's Ilya Tapoya versus Arnold Allen. Number one contender fight. I'm ready to I mean, I'm I'm going full throttle here. I'm going fast, driving 150 miles an hour. Let's go. Him and Arnold Allen. You put him on that March 18th card, number one contender fight. There you go. Like obviously there's gonna be an interim champion. And again, if Volkanovsky wins the title in February, I don't think he's fighting at featherweight anymore because why would he when all the biggest possible fights he could have the rest of his career at 155? But you do, that's the fight to make. I want to see it. I know a lot of people are suggesting let's do Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway. I do not like that idea right now because we're trying to position Arnold Allen as a number one contender and throwing him in there with a guy that the current champion has beaten three times, including the most recent time, where it was a whitewashing for the most part. It was a perfect game from Volkanovski. Why knock off the top dude in waiting with Max Holloway? Like, it's way too risky. Now, if you want to do Taporia versus Max Holloway, I'm okay with that. As long as Arnold Allen is either next in line or gets another guy in a fight that's perceived a number one contender fight. But if Arnold Allen is not fighting for the belt or fighting in a number one contender fight, 
I don't want to see him in there. Like these are the, the like Arnold has earned his opportunity to get to a title. That's why I don't like the Max Holloway fight. Now, if Arnold Allen fights to Poirier or anybody else and loses, and you want to do Max Holloway, totally cool with that. But right now, keep Max Holloway away from the dudes at the tippy top. Because if Max wins, then we're just like, okay, then we're having the same issue we've been having since Volkanovsky won the belt. No one has been able to emerge because Max Holloway is beating them. So I don't love that idea. But Taporia versus Arnold Allen, I'm cool with. Allen's the... – I'm going to pull this up. Double standards, Mike. Why not Allen? But Taporia's okay. Because Allen's the guy right now. Because Allen is the guy in waiting. We have an interim title fight, but if something happens – Arnold is the guy. He's the first phone call. So throwing him in there with Max Holloway right now makes no sense. Taporia is not like if you want, I, I'm ready to throw him in number one contender fight. If UFC's not ready to do that, you can throw him in there with Max if you want. But Taporia's not the number one guy. He's like the number two, maybe the number three, depending on who you talk to. Arnold is the guy right now. That's how I feel. You can match make however you want. This is this is the people show. You can match make how you want. That's just how I see it. I'm keeping Holloway away from Arnold Allen just because Max, like if Max wins that fight, it's brutal, man. It's brutal. It's just horrible. Cause then Volkanovsky just has nobody to fight. It's, it's wild, but I love Taporia versus Arnold Allen. That fight friggin' rules. Yeah. As, as I was, when you first mentioned, it, I was like, man, that's tough for Arnold Allen. But at the same time, he's not getting a title fight just by sitting around. I sincerely doubt it. I know, I know, uh, yeah, your Rodriguez kind of did, but I think people, in retrospect, kind of gave him a little more credit for the the Ortega injury win. There's a lot of people who said, "Listen, he he kind of created the injury with the with the taking you know going to the ground and grappling with them." Whether you agree with that or not, Yair has also had a little bit more of a push behind him from the UFC. It, it's been a consistent push for a long time, probably since he won the Ultimate Fighter, and um, they've loved Yair. Not to say they don't like Arnold Allen, but they ha- he hasn't. They, I don't think they quite view him that same way as marketability. If he beats someone like Tuporia, it might change their mind, and vice versa. Tuporia beats him clearly a guy they have to get behind so it sucks it sucks that um again arnold allen might have to win 10 straight fights to get a title shot that by the way would still not be guaranteed but that, i mean that's where he is that's just where he is uh in, in in such a tough and such a deep division and same same with um topora you could argue he's ready for like a number one contenders fight now and i guess i guess that fight would be it um but yeah uh, both guys have to win one more one more tough fight to get to uh, a shot at, at UFC gold. And uh, again, when you're fighting 145, that's that's just life, unfortunately. Yeah, Featherweight is, is just a crazy division. It's super loaded. It's not quite bantamweight. It's not quite lightweight, but it's probably like a tier below bantamweight right now. And that ain't a bad place to be. So that's the main card. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Let's go to the wild card, AK. We'll select one fighter we have not match rate for yet, and we'll match rate for them right now. So we can go with... Darren Till or Jared Gordon or 
We go for somebody from the prelims, whoever you want, AK. I'm curious where you're going with this. I thought I was going to talk more about Darren Till, Mike. It's my wild card pick. Oh, okay. He is, he is. Now, in a statement that came out today on social media, he said, uh, not retiring. He needs some time off, which is, first of all, get your jokes in now that Darren Till has taken enough time off from the octagon. Ha, 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 ha. Very funny. Uh, like him or not, it is unfortunate that he's had a lot of injuries. Um, and, and, and we've kind of talked about on other shows, like maybe the matchmaking – I'm sorry, he's not complaining about it. If you're Darren Till, you love getting big fights. Darren Till is probably the last person in the world asking, you know, oh, please give me easier competition. He doesn't want that. He thinks himself as of himself as a top five guy at 170. He thinks of himself as a top five guy at 185. He's like, keep bringing on the top 10 guys, ranked opponents. Um, it's really like his management or someone else that just step in and say, hey, can we get can we get Till some easier opponents? But again, if you're Till, you like the prestige that comes with fighting big names, you're, you're not going to complain about it. But I hope with his idea of, of uh, taking a rest. There's also uh, a reappraisal of who he should be fighting. There's one, I don't think he's going to rest that long. Again, this is, this is a pre holiday uh, fight talk. I think where it's like, you know, I haven't, I, I want to spend time with my family. It's, it's the holidays. And I think he will. And I think it'll, he'll, reju it'll rejuvenate him. Cause I think he has to at least consider being on that March 18th card. The first UFC pay-per-view in, in London in four years. It's been a while. It's been a while since they've done a pay-per-view in London, maybe longer. Uh, he has to at least be considered being a part of that. He's such a big name, win streak or not, whatever his record is. People just love him. People just love him there. That's why you have these regional cards. Rec record is secondary. Streaks are secondary to just does the person resonate with that fan base. And he resonates in a huge way um, in London. So you got to give him a fight. And Mike, I went like way down the rankings. Like I, I want to find someone who not only can he beat, he can maybe beat in a spectacular way. Can we... Break the glass uh, in case of emergency and pull out Jordan Wright, the Beverly Hills Ninja. Throw him in there with Darren Till, because if Darren Till cannot knock out Jordan Wright, who again is one of one of, a fighter I really like, and, and a guy like Jed and I always mention, you need guys like this who are going to go in there and just you know the fight's not going to go to a decision. Something spectacular is going to happen. They're probably going to end up getting knocked out. But listen, we we not, we need guys like that in MMA. We love guys like that in MMA. I think that's what Jordan Wright is. Give the Beverly Hills Ninja a, a free flight to give him a flight to London. Let him see the sights, and then let him get knocked out by Darren Till. Uh, and you can sort of keep Darren Till's not even he's gonna be thirty years old soon, but he just he's, he's not even thirty. He's got a lot of mileage on him. But he's not even thirty. There's still a lot of fights you can get out of him. There's still money to be made off of Darren Till. I sound like a freaking Dana White right now, uh, uh, treating a fighter like property. But I hope people understand what I'm saying. Like Darren Till, I think is not getting cut yet. Um, and if we, if they if we want that to remain the case, he needs to pick up a win against someone, anyone. Jordan Wright, UFC 286 in London. Interesting. I mean, it is the wild card round, and boy, you you went heavy on the wild there. Okay, uh, I like I like your idea. I wish I wish we lived in a world where we could do that. Like if Darren Till was in Bellator and this is going on, like that's the exact fight they'd make. But it's not Bellator; it's the UFC. Uh, that fight would be insane. I just don't see it happening. I'm actually going a different route. Um, I'm going with Raul Rosas Jr. because I want to make sure we're all on the right uh, on the same page here. I want to make sure we're all doing this correctly, and I hope the UFC matchmakers hear me as well because this kid is 18 years old. He looked real good against a tough guy in Jay Perrin. A lot of people are actually questioning the matchmaking there, feeling like Jay might be a little bit too tough, a little more battle-tested. Someone that maybe Raul wasn't ready for. Maybe the moment would be too much for him, but... Raul didn't care, loved every second of it. 
was very comfortable in the walk, very comfortable in the octagon. And I see, I saw some like different suggestions for Rosas Jr. Some guys that are like in the top 30 right now. And we're pumping the brakes here. Like we're pumping the brakes. This should be a slow, slow build. Very slow. Like we're smoking this thing for like years. Smoking this thing for years. Okay. There's no need to rush this kid. He's got to be fighting in the top 10, probably in three or four years. Let's not go crazy. Let's let this kid enjoy his senior year of high school. Bring him back international fight week to fight in the UFC on a big stage. And when he does, we're not going to go crazy here. We're just going to do a nice little step up, like on the huge ladder all the way up to the ceiling here. And it's a very high ceiling. We're just taking one step up. Kevin Natividad. That's where we're going. Raul Rosa Jr. versus Kevin Natividad. Because Kevin can create some chaos. Kevin's fun. And Kevin will be game. But stylistically, Raul, Raul Rosa Jr. matches up really well against him. But I don't want to see this kid fight again until, like, the summer. Like, let's let him enjoy being 18. Let's let him enjoy his senior year in high school. Let him walk across that stage with his friends. And then International Fight Week, get him on there. Feature prelim. Kevin Dad, let him shine. That's how I would do it. Let's not go crazy. I love it. I love it. Uh, Kevin Ativi Dad, zero uh, and three in the UFC, nine and four, three fight losing streak. Uh, an exciting guy. Exciting guy when he was with the LFA. So uh, at least has that reputation. We know he's fought decent competition, even though he hasn't picked up a win in the UFC. But yes, those are the guys you want to put in uh, Rosa's way right now. So I do like it. Uh, I've got uh, someone saying Raul Rosas Jr. versus Brandon Davis. Brandon Davis That's is fine. not with. I don't think he's with the UFC anymore. But did he get cut? I believe he got released. Excuse me. I thought you were going to sing the, the Patty the Batty song. No, I was clearing I my throat. throat. Yeah, no. Uh, I believe he is no longer with the UFC. Uh, and even but whether he is or isn't, I mean, listen, just bring him back. Bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. You bring him back for a fight like this. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, maybe I just made that up. I'm not seeing any formal. Either way, Brandon Davis is out there. Yeah, for sure. That's I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to go. You're definitely looking at the bottom of it's Bantamweight is super, super, super deep. UFC has a lot of Bantamweight signed. You have a lot of options in the, the, the lowest tier um, of the rankings right now. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Davis, Kevin and Tibby Dad, these are good choices. Uh, I can't remember what, what my choice would have been. I, I put Ray, I keep saying Ray, I keep putting uh, Raul pretty high. I actually put him, I debuted him like 51 in my personal UFC rankings, which sounds low, but that's 51 out of 70 something bantamweights. Uh, a lot of fight and a lot of fighters more experienced than him. So that's that's how impressed I was by the performance. But you're right, Mike, let, let the simmer. Let the simmer. Let's see. Let's see if we really have a world title contender here because it's a tough division. He just turned 18. He's a fresh 18. You remember, he was signed as a 17-year-old, just turned 18. And he looked great. And I think he'll continue to look great if they keep giving him guys like Natividad, like Jay Perrin, like Brendan Davis. Oh, uh, uh, shout-outs to uh, uh, at DragonSlayer2 on Twitter. Benito Lopez, I thought was another really good choice. That's a good pick, too. Yeah, experienced guy. Kind of recently came back. Probably not, still not at 100%. Um, but but who is a, who is a really talented fighter? Um, but yeah, there's again a lot of names near the bottom uh, of, of the bantamweight rankings that are good for uh, Raul Rosas Jr. But what a what a fight! I was not winning UFC fights at 18, like I, I, and I doubt you were either. No, I was winning baseball games. Though, oh, okay, yeah, I was winning baseball games in front of like you know at most like 1,500 people. I wasn't fighting oh, or yeah. playing baseball in front of like 19,000 people. That's just crazy. Didn't happen. And didn't soaking happen. it in, like he does not look. He came out with a, with a great, you know, uh, um, great entrance with his <clears throat> honoring his Mexican heritage. I don't know what's going on with my voice right now. 
he was soaking it in, man. He was media day, completely comfortable. He's done a bunch of interviews. You've spoken to him. Uh, it's it's incredible. And again, I don't know if it is just the confidence of being a young man who doesn't know better or the opposite. He's mature behind his ears or somewhere in between, some mixture of that. But you can really kind of see why the UC doesn't, you know, they don't sign teenagers very often, you know, uh, even off the contender series. They're going to wait. They're going to wait one or two years, two, three years. Uh, we saw Cameron Simon, I guess. He's at least 21, still pretty young. But a 17-year-old getting signed and then showing out like that, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing some pump the brakes talk, I'm sure, some point in 2023 after he wins a couple more fights and everyone's saying, throw him in the top 15. I'm sure I'll just tell people to chill. But for now, I mean, that that's as good a debut as you can get, given the circumstances. 100%. All right. So I think for like the next 10 minutes or so, unless we have some extracurriculars you want to give away real quick. Um Let's just let's just give a, a, a full on no point to our boy, regular viewer Marcus McGahey. He predicted Damone Blackshear versus Farid Basharat, UFC two eighty five, wow. March 4th. Yeah, for regular listeners of Otno, uh, he's always sending in contender series picks uh, for guys as soon as they win the contender series. He's sending in uh, guys for this fight, and I'm always telling him like, "Why are you sending these? We don't need them." But guess what? He just got himself a not no point. So he's already set for 2023. Marcus McGay, he's redoing his whole budget for 2023. There's, there's all kinds of things he can plan for now. He's got himself a, a, a not no point, which, are, which again, as always, it, they only go up. They only go up. They're, they're the most valuable. Uh, and it's not even a cryptocurrency. It's beyond cryptocurrency. They're the most valuable currency you can have right now. So, Marcus, take your points. And that's how you get your points these days because we have so many people sitting in suggestions now. Like, you just got to you, you go off the radar. You got to yeah, go off yeah. the radar. All right, this is what we're going to do. For the next, like, 10 minutes or so, we're just going to pull up suggestions. Let's go. We could just be like – it could be one-word answers. We could have long, in-depth discussions. We could do whatever. Uh, and we'll start with Barry O'Reilly, who's, I think, an OG of Otno. He's been here since, like, day one. Uh, Patty Pimble versus Claudio Poyas, AK. You like this idea? Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Like I said, I think I think Claudio needs to do some image rehabilitation as well after a really rough performance against Dan Hooker. I'd rather have Dan Hooker fight Patty, but – Sure. Again, we're just talking about getting Patty on that London card against somebody. And uh, Claudio is not well-liked in the MMA community right now either because of the way he fought. I thought it was hilarious, but people were not so amused, especially people who paid tickets to see a fight, uh, did not like how he fought against Dan Hooker. So you put in there with Patty, huge. I mean, it would just be massive boost for Claudio, huge cheers for Patty. Yeah, very good choice. I'm actually fine with that. And it's, it's, and it's realistic. Uh, any interest in Darren Till Wonderboy 2 AK? No. I'm not either. Moving on. <laughs> Terrible fight. Or, Terrible. How about, fight. Darren Till, how about Darren Till versus Joaquin Buckley? I think Buckley. Buckley was doing okay against Chris Curtis, so I think Buckley. This is not far enough back for me. I, I'm like I said, I went way back in the rankings. I don't think Buckley's back far enough, but I, I could see them making it. I just I don't. It's not a terrible like choice from a from match uh, like the matchmaker's perspective, but from like waving a magic wand, I, I do not want it. I'm actually okay with this one. I'm okay with this one. I don't love it, but it I'm could okay happen. I just wouldn't. It I wouldn't book it. if I had the book. I wouldn't do it. There's Till versus Kevin Holland. Um, ooh, what do you think about that? AK? maybe Holland bumps back up to 85. Wants to be that active dude again. He would too, but I really would like to see Holland, uh, Holland make an on, an earnest go at um, 170. But listen, he's just there to make money. He's there to run through fights in his contract and keep getting the next contract bumped up. So. If you're him, he's, he'll take it. But he probably wants to fight sooner rather than later. So he'll probably fight twice by the time we see uh, Darren Till again. Unless I'm right that Darren Till changes his mind and fights at, uh, in March. 
Darren Till versus whoever did his tattoo. Yeah, the cover up. It's bad. It's bad. I don't even know what the, I don't know what the hell it is. Uh, by the way, I see people mentioning Till's ACL. We don't know that he tore his ACL. Uh, he, that's what he said right after. He's like, I think I tore my ACL. And it's certainly possible given his injury history. I mean, worst case scenarios seem to happen to this guy pretty often. But I would just put like a grain of salt in anyone diagnosing their own injuries after a fight. There's, you you can't. There's really not a way to know. Um, I've never torn my ACL, so maybe I'm wrong. Anyone who's torn your ACL, please let me know if you immediately knew that like, that you suffered ligament damage. But I'm pretty sure you need to get examined. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed for Darren Till. It is not that because if it is, I mean, that's at least what like nine months on the shelf probably. So um, that might suit his timeline. Like I said, he wants to take time off, but it is possible. And I think if he's healthy, like I said, should fight at UFC 286. But um, I do see a lot of people bring it up, and it, 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 it is a factor that needs to be mentioned. I just wouldn't necessarily like say for sure that he's that's that he has an ACL tear. A lot of people bringing up uh, Darren Till versus Edmund Shabazi and AK. That's what I wanted if both guys lost. Uh, and I don't hate it. I don't hate it if 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 uh, I don't hate it even now. But again, like I said, if Till is if Till's going to fight in March, I say go for it. I guess um, I do prefer it if they had both lost. Uh, and if Till's going to take a break, then you definitely don't do it. I think Edmund. Yes, I like that he's kind of you know still developing. Probably wants to focus on training and not getting there as quickly as possible. But you don't want to wait that long for Till if it's a series. So it, a lot of these matches have to do with whether we think that that Till um, is actually going to be out for, like I said, possibly nine months, maybe longer. Uh, Roses versus Brady Highstand, AK. Yeah, I like it. I like I like Brady, but uh, I think Roses is right there skill wise. Um, I'm seeing Buckley versus Bo Nix. I'm just gonna just pin some messages here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, you can, you can throw a lot of names out there for Rosas that are better near the bottom, so that's fine. Uh, Roll versus Randy Costa. If Randy was still fighting, you, he's, he's not fighting in the UFC right now. He oh, got that's released. What I, was thinking. I think I was getting Brandon Davis mixed up with Randy Costa somehow. Randy Costa got released. I don't know why, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, let me shout out a couple of people on, on uh, the social medias real quick, just because they gave their first timers. Uh, Chase Cola, Chase Cola, thank you. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, Mike, what do you think of Ilya versus Giga? Mm, I, think like, not, I think Ilya jumped him big time. They're not like buddies or anything, are they? Uh, as far as I know. No, I think they are. They, they might be. I think they are. Let me do a quick, quick search here. Uh, any of their buddies, I'm not sure are they are they so buddy buddy they wouldn't fight. Uh, they are they support each other. They support probably each other. fight for they probably like fight for the belt. I, I'm sure that would be yeah. he's Tapori's far ahead. Giga's coming off of a loss, so you know, they're actually in my rankings, they're pretty close together. But people do as people know, I'm pretty slow to jump people up. Um, so I don't know. I know some people might have thrown Ilya into the top five of their rankings after beating uh Bryce so definitively. I didn't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes, Mike. It's a classic AK leap uh, break pump. Uh, uh, let's see what we got here. I'm trying to. Uh, we're throwing out just Wonder Boy versus RDA. Um, neither guy fought last night, but it's okay. Let's see. This is your chance. You got like five more minutes. Tristan Gordet. Simon versus Oliveira. Simon versus Simon, AK. Uh, Simon on Simon. I'm uh, Tristan. I mean, listen, yes, music to my ears. Of course, sign it up. Sign up. Another one for Brady Houston. And uh, hey, maybe Brady, if you're out there, get on social media. Maybe this, maybe this is a fight that you think you can take and and, and steal that uh, steal that thunder. And uh, Quarantillo Philly, I love it. One of those fights that I feel like has it not been booked, has it not at least been booked and fallen through. But yeah, it feels like they're in that right that right range, and you're gonna you're gonna get an exciting fight there. How good is Billy Q, by the way? He's just How good such is a Billy dog, Q? man. So fun, so fun to He's... watch. 
He's so tough. He's so freaking good. Uh, I also want to shout out Crave, another first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, what do we got here? Looking forward to a robbery review. It will be coming Monday. Rematch on Ankalaev. Uh, Patty versus Tony. Thank you. Jerkins uh, <laughs> versus Strickland Cannoneer. Loser. Elliot Dupre is an animal. Uh, not book. Let's have him. What? Oh, is it versus a Korean zombie? Zombies. So here's here's oh, what I've kind right. of heard. Yeah, he's supposed to fight it on that. They're, they're planning on doing a card in South Korea. Mm-hmm. So zombie could headline, but it looks like zombie has an injury, won't be fighting. And now there's reports. I haven't checked into this nearly enough because it's there's just been so much going on. But there's talks like maybe they'll move the entire event away because zombie was a star and they would sell that place out if Korean zombie was was main eventing that card. But now that he's not fighting, they're not sure whether or not they're going to do it or not. So, Zombie could be out for a while. I have yeah. no idea. So yeah. that's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to book him right now. But he he maybe has like one or two fights left in his UFC career. I don't know if he finds a second life in another promotion. But as far as his UFC career goes, probably one or two more fights. He's got to be picky. I think Topuris just would destroy him at this stage of their careers. And I love Korean Zombie, but it's just this is not peak Korean Zombie anymore. We are far from it. Um, Cravel says, "Keep up the good work, Mike." By the way, thank you. Rose strike, Rose strike. Derek Lewis is the biggest no-brainer on this entire card. Oh, like you got it. You got to do that. Yeah, another one of those. How have they not fought yet? How crazy is Rose strike's career? All, seven and four in the UFC. All seven wins by knockout. Twenty-nine second KO. Twenty-two second KO. He's got a nine-second knockout of Alan Crowder. Rose strike. Junior's fun, man. Patty versus the Drew Dober Bobby Green winner. Either of those guys beats Patty right now. For, I agree. I, I, I and again, I think the odds. The funny thing is, I think the odds would be like. I actually think Patty would end as a favorite, or would open as a favorite and end as a favorite, just because his name he has so much name value. But like, and I, I again, never bet on MMA. I would be fading Patty so badly in that fight. I would be either Dover or Green. I'd be putting all my money on them. I don't think either of those guys beat him. Uh, he can beat either of those guys right now. I'm glad you mentioned this one, Wes. Uh, Chris Curtis, Edmund Shabazian, teammates now. So right. we're oh, starting okay. this out there. Just throwing this up. This is a learning thing uh, because guys change camps all the time. Uh, we call this the Brennan Allen, Gerald Mearshart rule. There's, those two aren't fighting each other. Those two are thick as thieves. They ain't, they're not fighting each other. Uh, and as of right now, Chris Curtis, Edmund Shabazzian are not fighting each other. I w- am going to pull this one out, PK, because this one, this one I liked. Let me see. This one I really liked. Young man, uh, I, I don't know, by the name of Alex McAdam, a featherweight fight. Bryce Mitchell versus Ooh. JSP. I love. I like this idea a lot. I think it's likely to happen. If I had a magic wand, I would make it happen. This we got to see this in 2023. Alex McAdam, excellent, excellent choice. That's a great. I hope you get. I don't know if anyone else recommended it, but Alex McAdam, I will make a mental note that if that happens, you will you will get yourself a point. Patty Let's versus Hanato Boycano. I don't like that fight for Patty. Boycano, I don't like I think- it. Beats his ass. Uh, but again, listen, we've been saying this in a few Patty fights. So, Patty, listen, keep proving us wrong. Though I don't know if he necessarily proved us wrong on Saturday, uh, though I did pick him to win. But you know what I'm saying. Us, the collective us. Uh, Denny Kappas, Hernandez versus Sung Woo Choi, Billy mm-hmm. Q versus Tukagoff, Landwehr be a hell of a scrap, too. I know Billy Q mentioned Landwehr as a potential option. I like that. Uh, Evan uh, Chabazi versus Andre Petrosky, or do you want to kind of keep this? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, aren't I, we he, keeping Edmund away from grapplers? Yeah, it's not. Petrosky just eat him for dinner. Like, 
And, and again, may, may, maybe I'm over Shabazian versus Jordan Wright. <laughs> yes, yes. This, this is what Jordan Wright is for. If there is a middleweight <laughs> that you want to see in an exciting fight and probably finish someone, call Jordan Wright. And again, I'm not, it sounds like I'm slagging Jordan Wright so badly, but like I said, these are guys like this exist for a reason. And Jordan Wright is also a fight finisher. He is not like a, a walkover. These are keys. There's a chance he turns the tables and gets a highlight reel himself. Either way, you're having a good time. Uh, Denny, kind of a doo doo pick because. We already saw Curtis versus Brendan Allen and oh, Denny. Chris Curtis for a moment was the middleweighty middleweighty champion, which is now <laughs> held by Brendan Allen, the coveted number 16 spot. Uh, let me shout out quickly my Casey Carpenter, a regular listener on uh, email. Great job by all this week. Looking forward to the Robert review. Thank you, Casey. Uh, they throw this out there. Hear me out. Some people want Patty to fight a ranked guy. Patty has his issue with Ariel. This guy is team Ariel. Patty's a company guy. And so is this guy. And the biggest reason Jed hates both of these fighters. I don't, and I think you're gonna hate this pick, Mike. Patty versus Michael Chandler. Oh, he's he's rubbing his chin. He's thinking. I am thinking. It's not gonna happen. No. Yeah, but do you like it? I honestly, I didn't even really consider that one. I just like it was like a communal anybody in the top fifteen Mercs Patty. Ah oh, man, that's that's actually kind of interesting. I would I would favor that. Michael Chandler to win. Yeah, but of Chandler just like Bellator Chandler destroys Patty Pimplet. Bellator Chandler destroys Patty. It's like a thirty twenty four that version of Michael Chandler. So just take him down and just beat the hell out of him. But UFC Michael Chandler is a whole different dude and it will get chaotic. And there's a very real world that if Dustin Poirier is, is down there in the chaos submitting, and, and I love Dustin Poirier. I think Dustin Poirier has, has earned a special place in my heart after this year, after that performance, it made me believe that as highly as I value Dustin Poirier, I probably didn't value him enough. And I valued him very high in the MMA sphere, but Patty Michael Chandler is actually kind of interesting. I would I would actually watch that fight. I think Chandler would win, but I would actually I would watch it. That's that might be the only I would pick that one over Tony Ferguson AK. Oh. Uh well, a lot of people would apparently. People seem to like the pick, uh, but mostly because they're all saying Chandler would kill him and they want to see that. So <laughs> hey, whatever gets you to to, to to turn on the channel, all right, or buy a ticket. How about Patty versus Michael Johnson, AK? Yeah. Great, great pick. I think we've mentioned that on a previous show. It, it's it's a, it's the right kind of matchup for him, though. I kind of would favor Michael Johnson. Let's see. Adrian Yanez, Pedro Munoz. I see that, but neither of them fought last night. Ilya versus Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett's fighting for the interim titles. You can't do that. Tristan just uh, said, uh, Gordon oh, versus Christian, uh, Christos Giagos versus Jared Gordon. Sure. Tristan just throw out Patty versus Gillespie. Uh, listen, we don't match. I don't know. I think we banned Gillespie from matchmaking, right? Just because yeah. we just don't know if he's ever fighting again. And by the way, uh, when you guys see the UFC rankings, this uh, sorry, the UFC. Mike, I misspoke. When you bye guys bye. see the MA fighting global rankings this week, uh, yeah, Gregor Gillespie's out. It has been over 18 months since he has fought. He's out of the ranking. He's holding on to a top uh, top 12 spot. He out of there. What about these two matchups, AK? Uh -huh. Ryan Hall for his comeback fight against Bryce Mitchell. Walt Harris versus Chris Dacus. 
Uh, Walt Harris with Chris Dawkins, great matchup, just if you're keeping Chris Dawkins around. I don't think he gets cut off of this. I think they like him. I do kind of want to see Chris take a shot at 205. He mentioned it. I don't know. You think he's making a commitment to it, but I and and that's not going to solve all his problems. It's not like he drops to 205 and now, oh, he becomes a friggin' title contender. I don't know, but I do feel like he's just lacking a little something power, a little size to compete. Uh, we saw that with Jarzino. Jarzino just ran through him. Like, that guy's a heavyweight. I don't know if Chris Dawkins is, is a true heavyweight, even though he had some nice wins there. And the other one was uh, uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall, uh, RIP Bryce Mitchell. And there's Jay. Dawkins versus Max Christian at 205. Yeah. He's got yeah. to take like a whole year off. Yeah. Ford versus yeah. Jim Miller. Miller's booked, but um, maybe down the line. Mm -hmm. I, you have to think of your drag gore and like, you have to let this one simmer a little bit. I think you're gonna be. This one's gonna be on his brain for a little while. Let's see. Do do do. A lot of Chandler Pimblet talk. Patty versus Hackbrass. Hackbrass is booked, I believe. He just got booked for one of the international cards. Oh, he's fighting Jamie Malarkey, right? Did I see that? I think I saw that. What was what was that name? Sorry. Jamie Malarkey versus um, Nazareth Hackbrass. I think that's what they booked. Okay, sure. Oh, oh yeah, 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 sure. I, yeah. But what, what, what uh, do they want? Malarkey for, for Patty? Card. What do they want? Malarkey for Patty? No, they wanted uh, Hack Press for Patty. Hack Press for Patty. Yeah, somewhere down the line, maybe. But that's not going to get Patty out of, out of bed. What about Jakar Close? Close beats Patty. Yeah. And not, and not in a fun way. Yeah, I don't think that one gets. Well, I don't know. Patty's kind of, uh, yeah, I'll fight whoever. And that's kind of the. The way he should probably this go is, right now, especially handled, with, with, with the card being, uh, we will say, with the card being in London, if he does get on that March pay per view, it really could be almost anybody because the draw is Patty, does not matter who he's fighting, they just want him on the card. You want him in a, a co main spot again and just get that reaction. A, a fight night, I think, like if he when he fights in Vegas, I think you need to be a little more careful with the matchmaking. Like I said, I thought Jared Gordon was the perfect choice, even though it, it did almost end in him losing or judging by people's opinions that he did lose but i still think on paper jared was a really really smart matchup but um when you're when you're uh, if you're he's fighting uh, back in london some maybe in liverpool someday uh match him up with whoever it doesn't matter he's patty uh i see someone say brad bell retired he didn't retire right he said he's taking a break he's taking a break yeah you can you can perceive that how you want yeah yeah um there's one other patty pick that i wanted to pull up uh this one Patty versus Jolo is on. I'd love it if I, I think JLo should definitely pursue that fight. Um, again, especially if he was in London, take a little family trip. You know, again, that, that's the kind of stuff uh, Joe Lozon should be doing with the last few fights of his career. You don't like him? Joe man. ain't going. Joe ain't going to London. Why? No, I'd like because Joe it's ain't fun. going to London. It's a free trip. Joe ain't going to London. He doesn't Show want to go kids. to London. Show the kids. Joe Lozon has been very clear about what he wants. The name has to make sense. The date has to make sense, and the location has to make sense. Guess where the UFC is probably going to want to go sometime oh in 2023. Oh, boy. Your old stomping grounds. Beantown. Yeah. Which it's where, it's where in the house. You know where people are going to travel? Beantown. Will Patty fans travel to Beantown? Yep. They sure will. Of course. So I'm okay with that. I just saw that, too. Kuta Latsi now. Damn. Uh, Kuta Latsi now. Kuta Latsi washes Patty. No, Joe doesn't hate London. He just doesn't isn't going to leave his family to go fight Patty Pimblett. Bring the family with you. That's what I'm saying. It's a family vacation. He might have like because Lozon might have one fight left. Like this is it. So he wants everything to be kind of perfect. Like Cowboy 
that card made sense. Pay-per-view doing it in Austin all made sense. Then Lozon kind of hurts himself putting his socks on, which is really weird. Um, I've been going with the, I've been on the Joe Lozon, Tony Ferguson train for a while. I would love to see those two guys fight at this point in their careers, but okay. But I think we're good. If Joe Lozon, uh, do you have anything else? If Joe Lozon has ever fought outside of North America, I don't think he has. I think we got a couple of Canada appearances on there. Wow. Yeah. Maybe. See, Mike. Oh, no. Oh, oh, excuse me. UFC 144, Anthony Pettis, Saitama, Japan. So, and obviously, that's a. I think he would he would make the trip to London. J, Joe, Joe Lazan, become Joe London for one fight. Give us Joe London for one fight. Come on. I actually love this idea. Bring oh, back oh. Rage and Al for Patty. Yeah. That's, that, that's been a popular pick again for a while. That's a great uh, pick. Just, and again, if, if you are Ally Quinta, that's something that would might, might get your interest and make you, uh, make you step back into the cage. But um, yeah, I like it. All right. Well, I think we're all. I think we're good, gentlemen and great ladies. Picks. People, great picks, great comments. Thank you. You guys are so amazing. I love. I love doing the show. I, I love doing the pod, Mike. But I love doing the live show too because you get you get this live interaction and the viewers are the viewers are so smart and uh, just such such great matchmakers. I love you guys. Yes. So we're done here. We'll be back next week for the final matchmaking show of 2022. Following UFC Vegas 66, we got Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland in the main event. This one should just be bumped to the main event automatically. Armand Sarukian versus Demir Zbigulov. We got Amir Albazi, Alessandro Costa, Alex Caceres, Julieta Rosa, Scrap, Drew Dober, Bobby Green, Scrap, Cody Brundage, uh, Michelle Oleksaychuk, Scrap, Cheyenne Velizmus back against Corey McKenna. Jake Matthews back against Matthew Sellensberger. Oh, my God, it's a lot of fight to this card. Julian Marquez, Duran Wynn. Uh, this, the battle of the Saeed, Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Saeed Yukov Hakurmanov, oh, yeah. uh, Mahashata versus uh, Rafa Garcia, Brian Battle, Renat Fakretidinov. I got mm-hmm. that name so wrong. I can't get that. Nailed I have it. to work on that. Uh, David it. Dvorak, Medel Cap, and Sergey Morozov, Jerdy Newson. That is the final UFC event of 2022. One, two, three, I, hope, I hope Kop Dvorak fights. ends up being on the main card. It's going to get buried in the prelims. That is silly. It'll get buried in the prelims. Um, but here's how the rest of it's going to go. Uh, by the way, okay, I'm going to break some news to you and to the people here. Um, I will not be on next week's show. So you're going to have to you're going to have to man the ship. Is that, is, the that ship. All, is that all the information you're giving us? You, you break our hearts and you just leave it at that? No, I, I it's it's the holidays. I have a, I mean, I'm traveling a ton. I got to go see family. All right. Uh, I'm going to be in Massachusetts, freezing my ass off. All so, ah, right. <laughs> oh, yes, Boston Mike. All right, Boston Mike's coming back. Well, it's like Berkshire Mike. Berkshire. <laughs> you know, we're just going to Boston, like flying and out of there. But all then right. we're going to drive all the way across the state. But, um, but then after that, we'll probably take a week off for the rest of the holiday, and then we are going to come back, AK, and we're going to do my favorite shows of anything we do on MMA fighting, the predictions extravaganza. The two-part series. One, we will recap our 2022 predictions, which I actually listened to on the plane ride over and took all the notes. Uh, we did okay. We did okay. So that'll be fun to just recap and, and remember some of these crazy questions that you crazies asked, uh, which reminds me, the 2023 predictions extravaganza will probably go down the following week, maybe like the first week of January. So this is where we ask you, yes, the ones that are submitting picks, we want you to submit questions to us. Um, they're called they're buy sell questions. So, but I want you to think outside of the box. Like, have some fun with it. Like, for for example, one of the questions we had last year was, 
Um, the combination of Stipe Miocic and Robbie Lawler will have more UFC fights in 2022 than the Diaz brothers. Like, let's have some fun with these things. And then the answers are by yourself. Yeah. And we'll see fun. We'll take like the best 25 to 30. Yes. And then AK and I will try to pick UFC champions for the rest of the year. And then we'll have our wee bold Caliente prediction. Uh, and we were both on the same page and we were both wrong. Just, uh, just, I don't, just know, to, what, to I don't know what there. it is. I don't remember. But yeah, guys, hit us up any anywhere. Hit us up. Uh, my DMs are open everywhere at Alexander K. Lee on Twitter, uh, at Alexander K. K. Lee on Instagram, my email, uh, alex.lee at sbnation.com. So please hit me up. Uh, Mike, your DMs on Instagram. You're just Mike, Mike Heck? M underscore Heck JR. I'm M underscore Heck JR. Hit us through the reply. If not DMs, guys, hit us just on, on uh, social media. Just hit us in the replies on Twitter. Uh, you can find me and Mike easily again through MMA Fighting. So, uh, yes, we want your – whatever you got, guys. This is this time. Unload the clip and uh, please give us your give us your suggestions. I've been I've been doing this show even before MMA Fighting. We were doing something like this exact sort of layout. Um, so we have, there's like a group of like 10 to 12 sort of hardcore peeps who have been following, doing this for six years and submitting questions and they've already been submitting them. They submit them throughout the year. Um, so we got to play some catch up. So we're going to play like the top, we're going to take like the top, maybe 40. We're going to throw them into a little generator. We're just going to hit shuffle. And then we're just going to answer the, like the 25 or 30 questions that come up that just like randomly generate. So can't wait for that show. It's my favorite of the year. Um, but I will not be here next week. AK will man the fort. Uh, and then I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Just take a little time off. That's all. Uh, and it's all good. We're all good. And then we'll come back refreshed and ready to take on a very chaotic and crazy, yet very fun and positive 2023 for not just the UFC, hopefully, but the entire world of MMA. So for AK, I am Mike Heck. Always remember, don't take this stuff too seriously. MMA is supposed to be fun. AK will have fun next week. I'll fun listening next week on On to the Next One, the podcast. Thanks for watching. Have a great rest of the day.